All right, so let's jump straight in over here. Um, I want to ask you a question, um, and that's this. If you reflect back on your life, um, are there times uh, where you have regret or where you think, man, that was just a bad decision. I shouldn't have made that decision at that time. I shouldn't have let that great guy slip through my fingers. Um, I shouldn't have spoken to my parent in that way. I shouldn't have snuck out the window when they, they thought I was sleeping. I snuck out the window and went partying with my mates and got caught in that roadblock and needed to phone my dad to come and bail me out of jail. I, you know, bad decision that was made. Perhaps for you, it's the decision of, man, I shouldn't have gone into business with that guy. I should never have left that great job and gone into business with that person. It was a bad, bad, bad mistake. What are some of your regrets? Um, You know, what is really interesting is I asked the question in the the earlier congregations, do you have any regrets? And, uh, and, And the earlier congregations have tons of kids in them. And so what I'm noticing is the kids are like, regrets? What are you, what are you talking about, regrets? I don't know, what are you talking about? If you explain it to them and say, well, see, a regret is this. It's, it's when you wish that you could go back and change the decision because you didn't decide the right thing. They're like, oh, yeah. A Christmas last year, or at my friend's party, I should have had more jelly tots and not, and, and not stopped. So the younger people are, their heads are not nodding when I ask them, have you got some regrets? But when we start moving towards getting a bit older, we seem to rack up more and more regrets as we go along. Not only regrets, but let me ask you this question. Are there things in your lives that you started, but you never finished? Right? You're like, man, I started that thing and I started it over and over and over. And I just never seemed to get it past the starting phase. When we moved to East London, I decided that um, I was going to grow pineapples. Because, you don't laugh at me, huh? So, because whenever you buy pineapples, look at the wrong side because you guys don't buy anything. When you buy pineapples, they come with the leaves and then you break them off and you throw them away and you eat the fruit. And I heard that you could grow pineapple from the leaves. So I decided to break them open, put them in a glass on the kitchen window, fill it up with water. Poor thing, the water evaporates. There's no water in it for weeks. Fill it up again. Uh, you know, then it kind of starts growing. A little bit of a root. Forget about it again. Throw that one away. Start again. Um, you know, every real home needs to have either a pineapple growing on the windowsill, an avocado pear, or else an African violet leaf in Granny's old teacup, Right? <laughs> Anyway, so I get these things going, and they're growing, and there's the, the, the roots are just prolific. I mean, I'm going, this is fantastic. And then part of the reading and how do you do this, I discovered that it'll take about two to five years to get fruit from this thing. I was like, two to five years? There's no ways I'm going to do this. I've got to take this thing, plant it somewhere in the garden, in the right spot, keep watering it while I've got African violets and avocado pears and everything else trying to grow as well. I just can't do this thing. Maybe next year. So maybe next year. So I left it. I threw the thing away. And next year, try the same thing again. And the next year, tried the same thing again. The next year, tried the same thing. Now I'm moving into three to five years. By now, I might have had fruits already had I had planted the first one. So I'm filled with these regrets, guys, that I don't have a thriving pineapple plant in my garden. How about you? What are your regrets? What are your failed restarts? You look back and you just see restart or failed restart after failed restart after failed restart. The Bible talks about failed restarts in quite an interesting way. It reflects back on creation And how God created this world and 
that this world was good except for one thing, that even although we were in this place of creation where sin had not yet come into the world, humanity still lacked something. And so God created Adam, and Adam lacked a companion. He didn't have a companion. He didn't have someone to help him. And God said, well, go into the garden and go and find a companion. And Adam went through the garden and he checked all the dinosaurs and none of them would be helpful. And, uh, then, and he should have known that if he had watched Jurassic Park. But anyway, the, the, the dinosaurs don't help. And he goes to the apes and they don't work. And he, go, they don't work and he goes to the fish and they don't work either. And, and Adam's got, hey, there's no one who can be my companion. There's no one that can help me in this garden. And God causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And we know the story. God takes a rib from Adam and God creates Eve. And, and God says, and now this will be your companion. But even in that, Adam and Eve lack something. God would come in the cool of the day and, and he would talk with them and he would walk with them. For the rest of the day, God was not there. And they desired to be in relationship with God, but God was not there. And God had said to them, hey, I want you to know, I don't want you to eat from that fruit. That tree, the knowledge of good and evil, I don't want you to eat from that tree. One day, Eve finds herself too close to the tree. And she hears a voice coming from near the tree, and it's the serpent. Uh, Satan comes, and he brings temptation, and he says this to her. He says, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? Eve standing there, she's going, did God really say that I can't? No. God didn't say, I can't eat from any tree. He goes, well, if you eat from this tree, you'll be like God. And in that moment, we discover the biggest lack that human beings have. And that's one, this insatiable desire for more. And two, to be their own God. And so Eve takes this fruit and she eats it and she passes it on to her husband. In the cool of the day, she passes it on to her husband just before God is about to come and walk with them, she takes this fruit and she gives it to her husband and they hide from God. I want to talk about regrets. I wonder if Eve was in the service or Adam was in the service and we said, hey, anybody got regrets? And they were like, yeah. What's your regret? Oh, I wish I hadn't walked so close to the tree. I wish I hadn't been that close. I wish I hadn't got so close to temptation that it was, it, it was just a gray line that now, bang, I was in it. And I had messed up not only my life, but my family as well. This, this sense of regret. But didn't you try to improve? Yeah, I know we did. We had failed restart after failed restart after failed restart after that. But there's this need in us uh, to, to, to be more. But, but also watch this. There's this need in us to change. Because we've inherited this sinfulness and we've inherited this ability to just master sin without actually being taught how to do it. Like your parents didn't pull you aside and go, all right, now you're 10 years old. I need to teach you about sin. You know, that, that doesn't happen. That never happens. But we have this innate ability to sin and to completely blow it. And we do it really well. Because of our inherited sinful nature, that's what we need. So, so perhaps for you, you're like, hey, man, Matt, what are you talking about? I'm talking about this, perhaps greed. How's that in your life? How's greed? Right? You, you look at your mate. You've got an iPhone 5. Your friend's got an iPhone 6. Then suddenly, there's that kid who always has the 7. There's that kid whose dad and mom always give them the new phone, and they take the old phone. You know, that family. Not ever going to be my family. That family. And you're like, oh, I want one of those over there. And, 
And there's this greed. Perhaps it could also be called lust, the lust for more. Maybe it's lust, not just sexual lust, but the lust for more, the lust for materialism. And, 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 and as I'm speaking about this, you're like, no, no, I don't have any greed. I don't have any lust. All right, what about this one? Can you read that? Indifference. If you're an English teacher, shh. we were not interested in spelling tonight, okay? This is a church. There's grace and mercy here. Indifference. You see, we're like, oh, no, God's just not happy if I do bad stuff. No, God's going, I'm also not happy if you don't do the right stuff. It's not only your sins of, of, of commission, the sins you commit, it's also the sins you omit as well. And so indifference, how is it that it's so easy for me to walk past someone who's in need and not even notice them? How is that possible that I do that? Indifference, the Bible calls that sin also. Well, what about this one over here? When's the last time? Lies. When's the last time you got caught up in a lie? The last time your folks said to you, hey, so what are you and your friend doing this afternoon? You're like, oh, we're just hanging. Meanwhile, you're hanging at Hemingway's and you know mom and dad don't want you to be there. Or when your boss asks you, how far is that project? You're going, man, it's nearly done. I'm just waiting for the last email to come through. Meanwhile, you didn't even send the email. How about that one? What about lies coming in from that side? What about theft? All right, I want you to all think now, theft. What we're going to talk about on theft is this. When's the last time you got dressed up in your ninja suit and you climbed out your window and you climbed into your neighbor's window and you stole their jewelry? Huh? When's the last time that I'm looking, I'm seeing, huh? I want you to know this is church and there's grace and mercy, but you need to tell the truth here. When's the last time you put that ninja suit on? You're like, man, I never did that. Oh, yeah, I know you didn't. But what about the time when you arrived at work late and your boss said, where were you? And you're like, oh, you know, just struggling with the kids at school. Meanwhile, the reason why you're late is because you just had a late night the night before and you woke up late. Or you clock watched and you decided to go home a bit early because the boss left at four o'clock and you decided to stay until quarter past four just to make sure that he's not coming back. And then you left and you stole 45 minutes from your boss. What about that one? What about this one of you? I know it's no one at Sterling, but I'll just put it up here anyway. Gossip. Suddenly people are laughing. Did I hit something here? Huh? Did I hit something there? Gossip. What about, what about gossip? What about this one? Pride. You know what this one does? It stops you from evaluating these. Pride is like, if you're suffering from pride and you're committing the sin of pride right now, you're the person going, I can't believe this guy's going through all these sins over here. I'm not doing this stuff. I'm not. You see, that's pride. It's like, look how good I am. Pride is the one that kicks up when you get angry because the guy cuts you off in the parking lot. And you go like, who do you think you are? Have you even seen the car that I'm driving? Have you seen that? Do you want to, if I get out of this car, will you, you, you will reverse that car out of that parking right now. I can't believe you cut me off. That's what pride does. But we look through these over here and we just see that we have this, apart from all of those, what about this one? This is my favorite, this insatiable desire for more. I just want more. 
more. It's not okay to just have the mobile phone. You need to have more data for your mobile phone. You need to have more memory for the mobile phone. You need to have more money in the bank account. You need to have more petrol in the car. You need to have more cars in the driveway. You need to have more days on leave. You need to have more money getting paid to you by your boss. More, more, more. And all of this rests on creation. And the Bible says this about creation, that the world heaves under the pressure of our sin. Before the world, it was good. In fact, God's creating. Day one, it is good. Day two, it is good. Day three, it is good. Day four, it is good. Day five, it is good. Day six, it is very good. God creates. The Bible says that our sin weighs so heavy on the world that the world groans under the weight of our sin. Listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. It says, For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For those who are believers, creation waits to see who they are. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage. That creation's going, I've, I can't wait to be set free. I can't wait to be set free. It goes on to say as, in, as, as a woman in going through childbirth. Now, oh, man, I know you have no cooking clue what that means. But it's like, guys, childbirth is like when you have a toothache, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to go there. To those ladies who have had babies, you can understand this one. When God's Word says creation groans as if in childbirth, it groans with the pain knowing that there's something better on the other side. There's joy that waits for me on the other side, but at the moment it is so painful. I don't know whether I could, could cry or die. It is so painful. And creation does the same. While I was um, on the plane, we, were, um, we took some of our pastors to Chicago, and there was one of those movies about the planet. There's always one of those movies about the planet when you're on a plane, and it tells you how bad it is to fly. I don't know why they do that. They, you know, it's like... I'm like, you put that video on the ship. That's what you do. You don't put that video on the plane because you start to feel all guilty because you're burning so much carbon going over to visit and do God's work in another country. But it's speaking about how bad things are and, and how because human beings have just done such a shocking job at looking after this planet that God has given us. You can literally see creation heaving under the sin of humanity. I came back, I was like, I'm, I'm not getting involved in any of that stuff anymore. I don't want to cook my eggs in the morning because that uses coal. That To make that electricity, it uses coal. I'm eating my eggs raw from now on. And I'm not even going to boil my kettle anymore. I just throw in my coffee in my mouth, dry, like that, and drink the egg just like that. Yeah. And then I lost that thought and decided, no, that's silly. Creation longs for a better day. Not only creation longs for a better day, but when you check through the stories of history, you see one after the other human beings like you and me understanding the weight of sin and trying again, but completely failing. These failed restarts, one after the next. You think of Noah. I mean, here's a guy who he knows what restarts are. God's like, hey, Noah, I'm going to control or delete this thing. And you need to get, a, get an ark. You need to put two of every animal in there. And, uh, and I'm going to bring the rain. And the rain's going to float that boat across. And then after 40 days, I'm going to land you on a mountain. And everybody and everything is going to be dead except what's in that ark. All right? Follow me. Right. 
Noah starts building an ark. The rain comes. The rain goes. Everybody dies. Noah plants a crop. The first crop he plants is a vine. He grows this vine. The first harvest that he takes from the vine, he creates Merlot. And then he gets drunk on it. The very first thing he planted was a grape. The very first thing he did with the grape was create wine. And the very first thing he did with that wine was drink it until he got drunk. It wasn't like, hey, love, how's it going? Oh, this wine's really good. Won't you pass me a piece of, you know, Jackie the cow? It wasn't like that at all. It was properly get drunk. In fact, he's so drunk that his younger son sees him, and he bursts out laughing. He goes and calls the other brothers, and he's like, hey, hey, guys, you need to come and see dad over here. They go, you don't do that. Noah's sin causes his son to sin. Failed restarts. I mean, there's a restart right there. Noah, you could have got it right. No, Noah restarts right there. Or what about Abraham? God says, I'm going to give you a son. You're going to call him Isaac. And he's like, okay, son doesn't come. Year after year after year after year, eventually Sarah's wife says, why don't you have a son with a servant girl? Maybe that's God's plan. He goes, okay. Ishmael is born. God's like, that's not the one. I told you, Isaac. That's not the one. And the generations that have followed have shown the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac fighting against each other since that day. The story of the judges is just brilliant, a failed restart. If you want a story of failed restarts, go and read Judges. If you're not reading the Old Testament, and especially if you're a guy and you want to read some of the Old Testament, go to Judges. Okay, It's right at the beginning, like book six of the Bible, six or seven of the Bible. So you're going to go and read Judges. Here it is. goes like this, simple story through the Judges. Israel serves God. Israel sins. Israel is um, overrun by an opposing nation that God uses to punish them. Israel cries out to God. God brings a deliverer. The deliverer overthrows this other nation, and there's peace in Israel. This judge dies, and Israel go back to sin again. And that carries on, failed restart after failed restart after failed restart seven times. My favorite judge, his name was Echud. He's a lefty, and, uh, and he fashions himself a sword. It's more, in South Africa, we would call it a pocket knife. They call it a sword. It was only about 45 centimeters long. You can see why. That's not a sword, right? And so he hides the sword under his cloak, and he goes to visit the king of the oppressing nation. They're having a conversation, and, and the king's... Um, bodyguards leave the room. He pulls out this, this pocket knife, this sword, and he plunges it into the belly of the king. The Bible says this king is so fat that as he plunges the sword in, he loses it in the guy. He's like, I can't find the sword. It's, it's inside him somewhere. It's a 45 centimeter blade. It's lost it inside the guy. He kills the guy in this. There's this peace in Israel, peace in Israel for, for the rest of his life. If you're wondering if there's ever a lady who did something like that, well, there's this prophetess, her name was Deborah, we call her Debbie. Uh, Debbie is prophesying one day, she goes to the, the, the general of the Israeli army, the Hebrew nation. She's like, hey, you need to take God's people into battle and overthrow that nation. Do you know what the general of the Lord's army, this is a general of the Lord's army goes i'll do it if you hold my hand he's like if you go with me i'll do this but i'm not going on my own you coming with me she looks at him she says i'll, I'll go with you but you need to know that if i go with you then uh, th- then history will say that a woman won the battle and not you he's like oh, it doesn't matter just would you hold my hand 
That's how I see it, okay? They go off into battle. The general of the other army, he's running like a coward in the other direction. He's so tired, he needs to sleep. He goes to this tent. I don't know how you knock on the door of the tent. Maybe you just you rub the canvas. I don't know. But this person comes out on the other side. It's a lady. She's like, yes. He says, look, we've been in battle. I need a place to sleep, please. She's like, come inside. He lies down, gives him some food. He falls asleep. While he falls asleep, she goes and gets a tent peg from outside. She puts it on his temple while he's sleeping. And then, right through his head. The moral of that story is, gentlemen, don't ever go to sleep when your wife is angry with you. <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger for a reason. Or our favorite judge of all, Samson. Failed restart after failed restart. Let me ask you this question tonight. What's your failed restart? What's your failed restart? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, last year, January, I decided to go for a run every day and I didn't get it right and now I'm going to have to restart. That's not what I'm talking about. What's your failed restart? When you just knew you blew it and you were going to try again and you tried with all your might and you blew it again. And you tried not to do that and you tried and you tried and you blew it again and you blew it again. You had these guys coming with failed restarts. You had Noah and you had Abraham. You had Echud and you had Debbie and uh, even Moses failed restarts. But Jesus, guys, but Jesus, Jesus comes on the scene. And just before Jesus comes on the scene, the Old Testament prophets are prophesying about Jesus coming. For hundreds of years, they're looking forward to this event when somebody would come who will not have a failed restart, but instead would have a faith start. And they start to prophesy. God gives them a word about him. God says to the, these prophets who are prophesying, you prophesy to the people and tell them he'll be born in Bethlehem, and he was. He'll be born to a virgin, and he was. He will be a descendant of Abraham, and he is. He'll be a descendant of David's throne, and he is. He will be called Emmanuel, and he was. He will spend some time in Egypt, and he did. He will be known as a Nazarene, even although he was born in Bethlehem. He'll be known as a Nazarene, and he was. His hands and his feet will be pierced, but none of his bones will be broken. And that was true, and that reflected back on the cross. But that was crazy to be on the cross, because if you're on the cross, one of the ways you die is by your legs being broken, so you can no longer hold your body weight up on the cross, except Jesus. Because it was prophesied way before that none of his bones would be broken. And when they came to see if Jesus was dead, they were like, hey, captain, it looks like he's dead already. And the captain was like, okay, don't break his legs. Just, won't you just like, stick a spear in his side and just, just check? So they prick, 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 stab him in the side. And his blood had already separated because he was dead already. And blood and water flows out of his chest. They prophesied that he would rise from the dead. And he did. But not only were people prophesying who were part of the Hebrew nation, who were part of the faith family, there were also people who were not part of the faith family. The Bible calls them Magi. These were the wise men who, they were watching the stars and they knew something was going to happen. Something great was going to happen in the cosmos. And they were watching the stars and, and they could see. And I can imagine one day they're like, hey, look, the stars are lining up. The great one is coming. We need to go find him. There's a star that's moving. Let's follow it. 
And so they get on their camels and they start following it. And we find them at Jesus' birth and early, early in his life coming to bring gifts to Jesus. Galatians 4, chapter 4 says, Jesus enters. When the time was perfect, when the time was perfect, Jesus came on the scene so that you and I would no longer have failed restarts anymore, but that you and I could have a faith start. And that your spirit and my spirit could cry out to him as a son calls out to a father. Not as someone who calls out like an ex-con, excuse me, sir, I've just served my time in prison. Do you have a job for me? No, not like that. But that's someone who'd be able to call out like a son calls a father. Hey, dad. The Bible says that's how you can call out to God. He comes and splits time in half. He gathers foreign dignitaries at his birth. He can't even speak a word yet, but he's gathering foreign dignitaries at his birth. He splits the curtain, the dividing wall between God's presence and the people. He splits it in half while he's hanging on the cross. The greatest empire that ever ruled on this planet, the Roman Empire, that ruled for hundreds of years, so feared him that one of its vassal kings calls for all boy children, to be murdered, who are under two years old, to be murdered so that he might get to Jesus because he's heard that one who's going to be the king of the Jews has just been born. Pontius Pilate, while Jesus is being tried, he puts Jesus on the cross for this thing and this thing only. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Out of the fear that somebody else may come, I'll hand him over to the Jews and I'll put him on the cross. Let's put him on the cross. There must be more to this Jesus. When we look through to the past, we see this Christmas event changing the past. We see this Christmas event changing not just the past, but we see that this Christmas event can change your past. The question I want to ask you tonight is, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as part of this crying world, this heaving creation under the weight of sin? Perhaps you look at your life and you're like, man, if I could weigh my sin, it would go into the tonnage, not just grams and kilograms. Do you, how are you weighing yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you perhaps see yourself as failed restarts? Man, I've been sitting in church so many times in my life. When I was 16 years old, some of you on this side, when I was 16, I went to a camp. I remember that time. I remember giving my life to Jesus, but stuff changed in my life. I went to varsity, things changed. I got married, got a job. That Christian stuff, I outgrew it. It's gone. Man, I tried and I tried to start again. And I had so many failed restarts, it's just not funny. Well, Jesus would say to you this, would you stop your failed restarts and would you just give it a faith start tonight? Would you allow me to just kickstart something brand new in you? Do you recognize your need to change? Do you recognize your need to, to change what there is? To step out from under this weight of sin? To stop trying yourself and trust Him? So let me show you what happens when you do that. To all the children, all the children, you listening here? All the children, when you guys got your packs, there was something like this in your pack. See this red card? There was a red card in your pack. So all the children, grab your red card and come up to the front here very quickly. Come here to the front. 
And this did work a whole lot better at the eight. They're kids. So what happens is this. When you come before God and ask him to forgive you, God takes the blood of Jesus and he sticks it over your sin. Do you see that? And you can no longer see your sin anymore. And when God looks down on you, he doesn't see someone with failed restarts. When God looks down on you, he sees someone that's covered by the blood of Jesus. And if you'd humble yourself tonight and say, hey God, I need some restart tonight. I want to have a faith start tonight. God, would you forgive me for that sin? I feel like the weight of my sin is crushing me. The Bible says that when you repent, God, God marks you as if you've never sinned. He forgives you of every sin you've ever committed. And he gives you a brand new start. He doesn't just wipe off that mess of sin on the creation that you are. But the Bible says he creates something brand new. And he makes you a brand new creation. So I want to ask you to bow your head tonight as we close out. How are you doing under the weight of sin? you count your restarts tonight failed restarts I mean you might be really successful in life but I know you still have failed restarts could it be possible that tonight God would be saying to you would you humble yourself so that I can stick a red card of my blood over pride that you could know me The Bible says all you have to do is call out to him. And so in these moments as we're quiet, would you just say to him, God, would you come and save me? I want to ask you, God, has Christmas changed the past? I want to ask you, would you come and change my past? Jesus, would you, this Christmas event, would it be something that changes my past? Please forgive me. 
I'm so tired of having to restart all the time. I have no energy left to do that. Jesus would say to you, come to me if you're weary and laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest for your soul. And just say to him, God, I need that rest for my soul. For some of you, you just took your eyes off the prize. You took your eyes off Jesus. You've been trying in your own strength. Today's, you know, tonight's the night where you just go, God, I'm not going to try in my own strength anymore. I, I just need you to do it. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you come and stir our hearts. Lord, there are those who you're speaking to tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that you would stir their hearts for you. God, that that conviction that comes from your spirit that's in their lives right now, that you cause them to respond to you in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who just find themselves in a confusing place, they've, they know they committed their lives to you, but they've taken it back. They've been the ones trying. Lord, did you come and flood their lives with your spirit? Father, wherever we go this week, whatever Christmas tree we see or Christmas decoration we see hanging, God, would you remind us that Christmas changes the past? Christmas changes the past. And that Christmas, Jesus, God becoming man, can change our pasts as well. Father, we ask you that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed one of those prayers tonight, we would love to pray with you. And there's going to be a couple of us in the front here. And uh, if you'd like us to pray with you, we'd love to do that. And so don't, don't feel like you have to rush off. Maybe you just want to sit here. We'll have some music playing. You just want to sit and reflect on that. If you want to join us for some hot chocolate afterwards, do that as well. But we don't want to leave tonight not having prayed for you if that's what you want. So as we leave, if you feel like you like prayer tonight, please come to the front and we'll do that. Next week, how Christmas changes today. We'll see you next week. God bless everyone.